Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Let's, uh, let's get into some of this. We've had a bit of a break with me away working with a small church out in Washington State. Two small churches there, actually. Um, really appreciate Mike Williams and, uh, and love the staff of this church because they keep things running along so well that it really proves you don't need me, and there you are. But now that I'm here and I have this once a, once a week gig, let's go for it. Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, I don't know if you've noticed a couple of things about it. One is that he really is speaking in hyperbole. Now, hyperbole is when you overspeak. That's when your mother says, for example, I've told you 18 million times not to do something, when we know it's only been 12 million. It, it, it's, a, it's an overspeaking, but to make a point. If you don't notice that, have a look through this. Never have a lustful thought. How realistic is this? Might be easier at some ages than others. Don't get angry. Hmm, that's a bit difficult. That's why we have social media, is to get angry and be antisocial. Gouge out your eyes and chop off your hands. We all, I hope, understand this is hyperbole. Say nothing beyond yes and no. That's rather limiting. Go the extra mile. That could be difficult. Give them your coat too. Or how about this one? For today, Pharisees like to blow the trumpets to get your attention before they give alms to the poor. Now, when he comes to prayer, we would expect to see some more hyperbole and humor here, and we do. We'll not be disappointed. Were people really standing on street corners and praying loud, dramatic prayers just to get people's attention so that people will look at them and say, oh, that must be a holy person? Probably not. What Jesus is asking you to do is to stop and ask, why am I praying? What is the end goal of my prayer? Those of us that were raised in this particular religious tribe know that there was a prayer liturgy that we could count on every Sunday. It was unwritten, but understood. There would be lines like, guide, guard, and direct us, and to give the minister a ready recollection of the things he has studied. And then to be with us and keep us safe until we return once again. There were, there were these things that, in fact, one of my friends who's a minister said a, a visitor actually came to him and said they loved the liturgy. Could they have a copy? <laughs> I said, he, he had some, some spleening to do. It was there for several reasons. One, it was an accepted community prayer. None of these things... Uh, were wasted words. We really did want to be guided, guarded, and directed, and we, you know, the minister really did need some help, uh, including myself, with recollection of what they'd studied. But it was also a way to show we're a team player. We've learned the songs and the phrases of the community, and we're all part of it. But we've also heard other prayers. We've heard sermons disguised as prayers, have you not? You've also heard political speeches designed disguised as prayers, or perhaps even personal attacks designed as prayers. So Jesus is saying, stop, step back, put up some gates, and ask, why am I praying, and why am I praying like this? Why did I choose to phrase things like this? Why did I choose those words? What reward am I looking for at the end of this prayer? And he says, if what you're looking for is people to look at you and say, wow, that's a great prayer, that is, you've already received your reward. Don't, 
don't expect anything to come from God because you already got what you wanted. In verse 6, Jesus says to go into your room, close the door, and pray. Older English version said to go into your closet. It really meant your private place. There wasn't a lot of private place in these times. You didn't, uh, you didn't get to go to your room, kids. You know, you, you know, go up to your room. That used to be punishment, by the way, before you were connected with 5,000 entertainment devices whenever you went up there. And, oh, please send me. That, um, it used to be punishment to be sent there. There, there weren't separate rooms. There wasn't, it was so hard to find a private place. Jesus says, go find a private place. Prayer is between the Father and you. However, it's not just about you. It's about the community. Did you notice something about the, the Lord's Prayer? I, I'm ashamed at how long it took me to realize this. It, years and years of me seeing the prayer before I realized the pronouns are plural. He said, pray like this, and he prayed a community prayer. And I started taking a look at my prayers. Most of my prayers, the, plural, the pronouns are personal. They're me, my, mine. Whereas he said, pray like this, our, lead us, with, as a group. And in fact, the Bible is written to groups. It is written to communities. And we're never told that we will be saved alone. That does bother me a bit when people talk about uh, they, Jesus as their personal Savior. I understand the concept, but I believe that phrasing will get us in trouble. Because while Jesus does intend to save us as a person, he does not intend to save us as a loner alone. There's a community for a reason. Since prayer is between the Father and you, perhaps that's where we should focus our prayers. In other words, are we praying really about us and God, or are we praying that God change other people and other things? Once again, maybe you didn't, but in my prayers, I've noticed a tendency for me to pray that God change other folk. Not you, you're perfect in every way, but other people. I've asked him to change nations. I've asked him to change politicians. I've asked him to, um, to do harm to politicians, but only in love. Uh, I have, I've, asked, I've asked that he thwart the plans of others and that he put gates around them. And I've done that repeatedly until I realized wait a minute, that's not what he said in his prayer. Our prayers remain out there unanswered because we've been asking him to do stuff he never said he would do. We're praying that God remove free will from others, choice from others, block others, and be replaced with our will for those others. Adrian Rogers once famously said, most people want to serve God, but only in an advisory capacity. I have caught myself, and I'm, I'm being self-revelatory here because I don't want to point at you, and I don't know your hearts, but I have the feeling I'm not the only one in the room. I've caught myself being that advisor to God. Here's what you really need to do today, God, um, to be a success. And yet God's never given us permission to say, dear God, here is your task list for the day. Not as, and he's not impressed. If we just pour on more emotion, 
He's not the dear leader of North Korea, where the more we smite our chest and the more we yell and publicly declaim, the more he's impressed. No, he knows our hearts. In fact, Jesus warns away those kind of, and and the real vernacular, babbling prayers. God's not interested in the multiplicity of our words. He's interested in if they're heartfelt. Now, can I make a a little aside here to give you a bit of comfort? The Bible says that God does not want us to pray with vain repetitions. However, I must confess to you that most of my prayers sound alike. Does that mean they're vain repetitions? No, they're repetitions, but they're not vain because I need the same thing. I have a lady that sends me an email every Monday morning. She sends a lot of people this email, and she's serious about it. What may I pray for you about this week? And at at times, I'm embarrassed because it's the same thing. I've thought about setting up an automatic reply. Wisdom, health, and strength for the journey. But people, that's not vain because I need them all every single day. There are some of you that when you wake up in the morning, you're like a piece of toast. You just, you're out of bed. This is the day the Lord hath made. You're singing psalms and converting two people before you make your coffee. I'm not. I'm not. I need certain things every single day. And you may be as well. So those aren't vain repetitions. Put those out there. But it doesn't mean that we should just form a prayer and just spin it without thinking. And I use the word spin on purpose. You may not be aware of this. These little pin uh, wheels, the things that you, the kids love to hold up in the wind and they turn, come from prayer wheels. Some religions, they, they invented these actually, and they have a different prayer on each one. And as they hold it in the wind and it spins, every time it spins, all those prayers go up to their God. And the idea is that we'll flood our God with so many prayers, they're forced to do something. And there are prayer streamers, and kites actually came from prayers as well, where they would send it up higher and higher, get to God's attention. Jesus says, that's not the way this works. Think of it this way. God is not asking us to be the three-year-old at Kroger in the checkout aisle where the candy is. Mom, 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 mom. No, he's not looking for this. He's looking for us to instead, when we speak to him, understand that our prayers are supposed to be community goals and that he's part of our community. Did you notice this? Jesus didn't say, when you pray, you pray like this, but I pray like this because I'm God and the Son of God. No, he wraps his arms around and says, this is how we pray, our Father. Let us help us forgive us. It's a group. He has a corrective in verse 8 there. Do not be like them, the babbling words. Your father knows what you need before you ask them. Then, Then why do we ask? Because it maintains contact. It maintains a relationship. Same reason we tell our kids, and I certainly hope you do, to say please and thank you. Maintain the relationship. Keep this going. Learn the language of our people. In Acts chapter 17, Paul puts it this way. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, 
and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundary of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I know sometimes it feels like God is far away, but he is not. It just feels like that. We should never allow our feelings to trump the facts of what God has told us. He's there. Speak to him. So he gives us this prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is one of those passages that gives ministers a little bit of a panic attack. I'll explain. Very often we're called to do funerals for people that aren't church people, therefore we don't really know them, but they, 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 their family needs that closure. So the funeral home will call us and we'll go do a funeral. Whenever I do that, I'll ask the family, is there any scripture you would like said or, or used? And many of them not being church people can only think of two. Psalm 23, and this. Then whenever the preacher starts it, you'll notice they start it. They come from a tradition where they say it as well. Here's the problem. Are they going from Matthew or Luke? Are we in the NIV or the King James Version? Or are we in the message, which is, starts off by saying, Hi, God, how you doing? Uh, how, there's no way you're going to get through this. It's, it's rather like Jesus on asking the people there, what saith the, what saith the law? How readest thou? Today, for the next 40 minutes, people would be saying, but my version says, this can be a pain. But here's the thing. Jesus taught this prayer a lot. That's why we have different versions of it in Scripture. He didn't say it just once. He gave us several versions of it. And sometimes you might need one version more than another. Some of them use, most versions that we have in Scripture are amalgamations. They're, they're put together. This is the kind of prayer he taught us to pray. There have been whole books written on this prayer. But to be fair, we've got to look at it quickly. Because you see, the people who heard it, heard it quickly. Think about this. Sometimes we'll write a 500-page book on three verses that Jesus said. When the people that were there got to hear it once. What did it mean to them? How did they take it away and use it? Think of, for example, 9 and 10. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And think about how different that was from the people praying on the street corners. They were praying so that they would be admired by others. We are to pray. This is important. We are to pray that the events of our day and of our life make people admire God, not us. We're supposed to decrease so that he increase, like John the Baptist said. This is the opposite of the old blues song um, done by uh, Janis Joplin long ago, Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes-Benz? While that, and by the way, if you have one, well done, no problem. I'm, I'm not upset at you at all, that's a great thing. However, God isn't asking us to make that the kind of prayers we have. It is, how can I make your reputation blossom today? Have you ever thought about that? Going into prayer to God saying, what can I do for you today? 
What are your dreams today, God? What are your dreams for me? What are your dreams for this community? What are your dreams for this church? What can I do today to make your dreams come true? I believe that our church tries very hard to make God's dream for a church a reality. That's one of the reasons why we fell in love with this church, and we're still in love with this church. And while I do some travel, it's, not a, it's about a third of what I used to do for 30 years because I don't like being away from here. I told Mark this morning, every time I'm anywhere else, and the worship can be fine, I'm thinking, I miss Mark. I miss Mark. And one of the reasons I think Mark does so well is because you fit here. You've been loved by this church, and you give the love back. That's what we're looking for. How can we do this in a way that God is praised? Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. We all rely on God. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. And if he ever turns off the storehouse of heaven, we won't have it because he's in charge of this. Verse 12, forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. Do you ever thought about what that really means? It means let us live life the way you, God, live life by forgiving others because that's what he does even on the cross as he's being nailed there in horrible pain and humiliation what's his instinct father forgive them he meets with peter after we don't know anything about the meeting except that afterwards peter is not a coward he's brave and on fire so that tells us something about the meeting jesus meets him and says it's all right peter we're good you're forgiven let's move Let us live like God lives, forgiving rather than being upset. Verse 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The way I put that in my prayer often is, Father, I don't want to disappoint you today. I don't want to disappoint you. I want you to to think, yeah, you did all right. That's what I'm looking for, the well done from God. Contrast that with the prayers that we usually pray. And I'm saying we, if this doesn't apply to you, well done. Normally, we pray looking for more. We pray looking for God to change other people. We we pray asking God to adjust things in the universe for us. And let let me just be very open here. You're allowed to make your request known to God. In fact, the Bible talks to us in the book of Hebrews that we are, we are to be bold in making our requests known to God. But what requests are those? Did he say he'll give you anything you want? No. James tells us if we pray out of our own greed, God has no interest in that. Well, what if I pray for something God won't do? I often think of um, the gentries, people we love dearly here. And Cammie showed me that online there's this thing about the, the top wonderful things you must do in Franklin, and the number one thing was visit gentry farms. And I often think of them whenever I'm praying about weather, wondering if my prayer is going against theirs. Really, because sometimes they really need rain. But in the gentry farms days, when we're raising money for mission work, they don't need that much rain. And there's a time thing. How's God going to answer the prayer? You know something? Go ahead and just say what you need and then trust that he knows what, what the body, the community needs. 
And that might not be what you need. The community might need something that you don't need. Something that even bothers you. Are you willing to put your will below that of God's for the whole community? Preachers have to learn that. Because some preachers, instead of creating a base of people that can then step in their place and take their place, just build their kingdom. And whenever I work with elders or I work with ministers, one of the things I tell them is, if you cannot tell me two people, you are training to take your place. You are not building God's kingdom. You are building your own. We need to remember we are only here for a while. Take the story forward, as, as Mark Howard told us this morning. And Mark, yes, they remembered your name, but in this congregation, that's not a big deal. Half the guys here are Mark. Just take a shot. We, we, we were in a pre-worship meeting the other day, and it was Mark, 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 Mark. And I'm going, well, I hear the little Sesame Street song, one of these things is not like the other, and I'm about to leave. But we are to receive and give, receive and give, instead of our prayers being about receiving. And I've, I've mixed up some things here near the end, and I'm about near the end of this lesson. It's a shorter one, but we have other things to do, and we, we, have, we have work to do in our prayer. There's an old song we used to sing, well, some of us, that went, there is a sea which day by day, you remember that one? And it's all about the contrast between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. If you don't know this, the Sea of Galilee, at the time of Jesus, was full of life. Fish everywhere, it sustained all the communities around there. But then a river comes out of the Sea of Galilee and flows south. Water comes into the Galilee, it goes out. But when it hits the Dead Sea, that's a bad sign if your name is the Dead Sea. And it is. It's saline. It is full of silt and salt to the point where uh, when people go to Israel, one of the things they like to do with the tour buses is to stop them there. And everybody puts on their swimsuits and they go out because you can just lay there. You don't sink. The water is so dense, you don't sink. That's pretty bad. And nothing lives there. And the lesson in the hymn is that things that receive and then give are full of life. Those that just receive are dead. In our prayers, we need to do a little gut check. Are we praying to receive or to receive and give? Now, there is one little warning about that one. Sometimes we tell God, we'll give when we receive. Help me win the lottery, and I'll, I'll make sure you have a good day. You know, I'll, I'll give to some poor folk. I, I think there's a reason why Christians don't win the lottery, and I'm sure some have, but work with me. Because if we had a member here who could just write a check for three or four million dollars, the rest of us would just be going, cool. The community wouldn't have to sacrifice. There wouldn't be shared pain. Wouldn't be any pain. God says that's not how you grow. You have to receive and give. And so as the preachers used to tell me years ago, and I truly believe, God's not interested in what you would do with $10 million. He's interested with what you're doing with the dollar you've got. I think that's correct. So we receive and we give. So I'm going to 
skip down to 16, then go back up to 15 as I step down. All right, guys? I'll just do this because I want to make sure they're not listening to a game or something up there. <laughs> Matthew records Jesus giving us a reason for the way the prayer ends. Look up at chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Does that cause anybody else here to hope that there are some exceptions? But he didn't mention any. We're a part of the work of God. So when we wake up in the morning, we say, what can I do for you today, God? How can I advance your story? How can I make your dreams come true? Would you stand? I worked on this for a bit. not going to put it up because I want you to do it your own way. But what if our prayers changed to something like this? Father, we love you. We want you to win today. May your name and reputation be enhanced by what we do. In every moment in exchange, we pray that you will win. We, re we rely on you for everything, and every good thing is a gift from your hands. So lead us through this day as mobile temples where people can meet you and see you in action through our actions and receive grace and forgiveness freely from us. May the blessings you have poured into us flow from our hearts into the hearts of all we meet, even those who have wronged us. Father, let us not disappoint you today. We want to make you proud. Is that our prayer? Then say amen.